What's up, this Shaq Bear, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 24th episode of Season 2. Today, we're going to be talking about our top 10 most overvalued players in fantasy, guys like J.K. Dobbins and his lack of target upside, Amari Cooper's inconsistency, and the concern for Najee Harris. Joining me today to help dive into all this is a man who is a featured Debbie writer for Fantasy Bros, a co-host of both the Debbie Royale and the Super Fantasy Bros podcast. He's a member of the Triple Play Fantasy team, a proud girl dad with one of the best beards in the industry with over 3,000 followers. He is Kevin Coleman, a.k.a. Bois 22 What's going on, man? Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on, and I will talk football with anybody, so I'm, I'm glad to be here, and I love going over some overrated guys, like we talked about pre-show, like we've hit on some of these guys, and I think that there are some guys, are their ADPs are a little bit too high for me, and they're definitely a trap in redraft, like you gotta be very careful with some of these guys. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you. Before we get into it, so before we record, we started recording, we talked briefly about the fact that when you were seven years old, you got run over by a bear in Alaska. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? That is a pretty crazy story. And you said that most people don't even believe you usually. Yeah, I mean, they do. I teach high school. So, like, my high school kids, I'll tell them at the end of the year, and they they, they laugh, and they say, that's not true. And then I have, like, a little pin I give them. Uh, and then we FaceTimed my mom one time, and she told everybody it was true. Because sometimes they don't. But, yeah, it's at Kodiak Island. Uh, it's a it's, it's basically, you know, where you, you go and you see those postcards of the bears catch the fish in the in the streams. And they do tours and all that. My dad was a tour guide in Alaska, and uh, we were on a tour with them. And there's a lot of bears on the island. And basically, you just walk with the bears. It's a crazy kind of – it's a really weird kind of atmosphere. And I was seven, me and my mom and my dad. And then he was actually a tour guide with uh, a bunch of people from Switzerland. So they didn't speak very good English. And on the way back from where we were at, we were down this little trail. It was like a two-person trail. So I was holding – or a one-person trail, but I was holding mom's hand. So we were kind of in the way. And all of a sudden, the people behind us, they were yelling in, you know, their foreign language and telling us something was going on. And before I know it, I just get hit. And apparently, a mother bear and her cub were getting chased by a bigger bear. And the bear was trying to eat her cub, so they were trying to run away. So they weren't attacking me. They were just trying to get away, but I was holding my mom's hand, or excuse my dad's hand, and so I was in the middle of everything. And so she hit me because she was just trying to get away. I was in the I was in the trail, and apparently that's what I was told. They I went under for about fifty yards underneath the bear, like it basically threw me under there, uh, and it wasn't really trying to attack me. It just released me after about fifty yards. I guess my mom was running after it, like she was going to do anything. But that's what moms are for. They 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 do that. Uh, and then all that happened to me was my shoe flew off. And that was it. Uh, I didn't have any other injuries. I just remember like the people, the, the, the guards there came with guns trying to find a bear. They thought someone attacked me. They didn't know. And the next morning I woke up super sore. But really, that's all that happened. I got lucky, but I did survive uh, getting hit by a bear in Alaska. That is such a cool story. If, if I may ask off the top of your head, I'm sure you don't really keep count. I'm, I'm guessing you don't. But how many times do you think you've told that story? Oh, not very many, really? uh, because like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't tell any that many people about it. I will say, like, I tell the kids this. Uh, my high school students, the last day of the year, I go over my life story with them to tell them, like, hey, this is kind of how I did it. 
you know, it's, everybody has their own path because I've had a pretty interesting kind of life. Like I lived in 24 different houses before my high school year wow. uh, just because we moved a lot, divorced parents, like a lot of stuff was going on. So I try to embrace that with my, my kids and say, hey, man, you, you can you can be successful no matter what's going on in your life. But so I probably said I've been teaching eight years now. So I've told it about eight times of those guys. And then every once in a while, you know, at a bar or something, I, I'll tell it to my buddies or something like that. But not not too many times. So you've okay. been grace, probably under 20. You've had a story that not a lot of people have heard. Okay. Well, I like that. Even better. Even better. But I get with crazy stories, some like that. Sometimes people, you might not like to, but it, like your mom like meets somebody and they're like, Kevin, Kevin, come on, like tell the story, tell the story. So yeah. I, I get that it can be repetitive, but I'm glad that a lot of people are going to get to listen to this story and not many people have. So I think that's kind of cool. But Let's jump right in. So who is your first overvalued player at this point? Um, This one is one that I really would like to hear because someone that I am very high on. So please tell us why Najee Harris is overvalued at his ADP right now. Yeah, this is similar to what I was talking about with CEH last year with rookies. I think everybody's overvaluing. He's just scary to me in redrafts. And even in Dynasty, I look at him as a two-year asset too. But – I look at his ADP, 17, running back 14, uh, according to 4 for 4. I'm looking at who's going around him. I think I'd rather have Antonio Gibson, who's very close. I've seen them kind of flipped. I'm a big Swift guy, and he's going way later, ADP 29, running back 16. And even Montgomery, David Montgomery is the ADP 41, running back 20. Like, you could realistically grab someone else, a wide receiver, if you wanted to go that route towards that beginning of the second. So let's say you grab the running back in the, the end of the first. But I think my concerns overall for Najee is just that offensive line was 31st last year in rush blocking not pass blocking and run blocking. They also just released David DeCastro. Like that line is a mess. And we always talk about, well, you know, the most important thing for a running back is line line and how that line performs. Well, that line didn't get any better. Uh, and, and in reality, they took a tight end over a lineman in the second round. We saw a lot of things they did in the offseason that didn't make me feel very good about that. Pass heavy offense, even though Big Ben can't throw more than 10 yards, they do, you know, they'll, they'll get it out quick and they're going to get it to Juju, Claypool, Deontay. And I do think that we're overestimating what overestimated Najee's target share or even his low share, his volume compared to Snell and McFarland. I think Snell's going to get some work. Like they didn't just draft Snell not to get him some work in there. So I'm just worried that he's not going to live up to his ADP. I like him as a player. It's just that AP worries me to where it's like, hey, can he get into that running back one status with based on the other guys around him? I'm really concerned. But the biggest thing is that offensive line. That That is a terrible offensive line. And I feel like he's more touchdown dependent. Like, hey, you better score some touchdowns, which he might in the goal line. They didn't have that last year with James Conner. But that line is bad, and that, that's what I worry about the most. Yeah, no, I can get behind that. I just had Scott Barrett on my, my podcast two episodes ago, and he put out a tweet the other day saying that, I think it was like for the bottom three offensive lines in football, there have only been like three running backs to finish as an RB1 over the last 10 years. I think I don't have the exact tweet, but it was like there, there's different ways to look at it, but that was the biggest thing, like the bottom three. And I mean, again, this yeah. isn't like this is not only a bad offensive line, but it just lost its best offensive lineman in David DeCastro. Um, I, I think I'm leaning over the fact that volume is king at the end of the day. Um, Mike Taglier talked about a podcast recently that every running back that's averaged over um, 20 touches a game. And, and did that for the over the course of the whole season. I think it was 325 touches. The lowest finish for someone that hit that threshold was RB12. And that was the lowest out of over 36 different running backs. So I think that's what I'd lean on at the end of the day. But I think you make a fair point. The offensive line thing does not help you. Um, and he's yeah. someone, but I agree with you. I'd rather take Antonio Gibson. DeAndre Swift, I don't think I would. But Antonio Gibson, the more I read about him, the more I love. But hey, we're talking about hate today. We're not, we're not giving any love to absolutely anybody. <laughs> 
Um, I like that take. But a guy that I don't like is J.K. Dobbins. Um, the biggest thing I don't like about J.K. Dobbins, I just think his upside is extremely capped in this offense because for total running back targets over the last two years with Lamar Jackson as a starter, the running backs got 51 and 52 targets total. That's over the course of four different guys. That's not just Dobbins. So that would mean his ceiling is probably 30 or 40 targets. I know they want to get him more involved as a pass catcher, and I get that. But over the last two years with Lamar Jackson being a starter, the running backs combined have only hit 50 targets. I mean, like people are saying that's what he could get this year, but he's not going to when no one else has even done it as a whole team at the end of the day, especially when this is still going to be a form of a timeshare. I love the player, but I don't think he can get any more efficient. I think that his ceiling is pretty close to what we saw last year where he was the running back eight in PPR over that six-week stretch where he was averaging six yards a carry, scoring a touchdown every 14 carries. I mean, it's not going to get much better than that, and he just doesn't have target upside. So he's a guy that I think is very overvalued at running back 17. I'd rather take someone like a DeAndre Swift right around that range where he's going to get all the targets in the world and targets are worth more than carries. So I like him. Are you out on J.K. Dobbins as well? Yeah, I was upset with you because you took mine. I was going to put Dobbins down, and he was already <laughs> on your list. So that, that, that I had to pivot a little bit. But, no, I agree. And I think the other point we're missing is Gus Edwards is there. And mm-hmm. Gus Edwards is a very formidable back. Like, he didn't play more than 50% of snaps last year, but he received seven – I believe he received 17 carries inside the 10-yard line compared to Dobbins, who had 13. So he didn't get the volume that Dobbins got, but he still saw the, saw the red zone carries. And then after Ingram left, he had 24 red zone touches. So, and five touchdowns. So Edwards is a bigger problem than I think a lot of people realize. Like, I think Edwards is a is a running back three. Like, I think that he's easily a flex option in deeper leagues. Like, if you got a 10-man uh, starting lineup, I wouldn't be a, opposed to maybe putting Edwards in a, in a flex, especially bye weeks, those type of things. Kind of like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah, That's the real thing. I think we're going to see a 60-40 split between Dobbins and Edwards. I think that's a big thing. And I love Dobbins. Like, Dobbins yeah. was my running back one. Yeah. Like, I loved him. But then he went to the Ravens when that would look like a great spot, but we underestimated Lamar's impact and Edwards' impact, their love for him. I think Edwards gets the goal line stuff. So, yeah, I'm all bored with that. I just think I would 10 times rather have Swift every time. Yep. No, me too. I'm not a huge fan of Swift, but I would much rather him over Dobbins. And people are saying, okay, well, Dobbins is the pass catcher. Edwards isn't. Dobbins averaged one and a half targets a game last year, and Edwards averaged like 0.9 targets a game. Again, there's just no pass catcher in this offense, and there's just no upside for targets unless we see Lamar start to check down more, which we all know Lamar is not even going to happen, not even in the poop game. He's not checking down to anybody. Um, That is what it is. Who is your second overvalued player? Yeah, so I cheated a little bit on this just to make it a little different. I mean, for me, uh, one thing that I've been seeing happen in either redraft or even best balls for sure is, like, people people taking shots on Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. And, yeah, they're going QB 34 and 38. But I just feel like that's a wasted pick. Like, I don't understand why you're going to take – now, I like Locke. Like, I've kind of always been like that. If he could just figure out his decision-making, he would be so much better. But he can't figure that shit out but besides that like i think that it's just they're gonna split time so when you look at kind of like the projections i have they're gonna probably split and in basketball that's just dumb to do because then you're gonna lose all your production based on a couple of games i would rather stick with two qbs in that format and then just grab a backup running back that you could probably grab around that time somebody that maybe can come in even like a guy like shoot tutu atwell who has the draft capital maybe he has a game that just explodes right and he's gonna be your wide receiver two that week Compared to like Locke, who maybe one game, you know, scores pretty well, and then he has four interceptions and X. So, like, for me, I just look at from my perspective of like, 
who do I want in that scenario? It's it's not either one of those guys, and I'll just roll with two quarterbacks, and that's it. I don't need a third quarterback. I think that's a big mistake. I, I, I've drafted in way too many underdog best ball leagues right now. Like I, My wife would kill me if she found out how many leagues I've been in, and I just see too many people reaching for three QBs. I, I don't think you need it. I, and the ones I won last year, you could, you could roll with two QBs. Yep. No, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Another guy speaking of QBs that I don't like is Joe Burrow. Um, at the end of the day, Joe Burrow is going as the QB nine right now in underdog ADP, which again, I, I think they're, he's going to be better this year, but just, I think QB nine is close to his ceiling. He was the QB 15 last year for the first 10 weeks before he got injured. Of course they added Jamar chase, but there's guys going after him like Ryan Tannehill, who was the fourth best QB after he took over in 2019. He was the seventh best QB last year. And then you add Julio Jones, over Corey Davis. I don't think Johnny Smith is really all that. He only had 65 targets. Like it's not like they're losing a lot of production from Smith. And then even Tom Brady, I think I'd rather take right now over Joe Burrow. Um, I think he's still going to have a good season. Obviously the rushing upside is not there, but I could go either way with them. But what I'm trying to say with Burrow is he's not going to, he just doesn't have the upside to outdo someone like that. I'd rather take a Jalen Hurts who is going right before him, but someone that has a little bit of rushing upside, someone that's going to run a little bit more. Um, but again, like I said, I definitely take Tannehill or Stafford over Joe Burrow. Um, are you in on Joe Burrow at QB nine? I'm not in at that price at all, and I think he's being overvalued considerably right now. Like that was a good pick by you too. Like when I was looking at it, especially you know his deep ball accuracy, he struggled. He was getting killed by good defenses in that division last year, yep. and he plays in a hell of a tough division. Like when you're looking at what his schedule is going to be, and he's coming off a knee injury, and he didn't have any offensive line help. Like there's a lot of things like you mentioned, and he, I think he falls in the underdog ADP when I was looking at it. Like Hertz is about the last guy I'm willing to reach on, and you love Hertz. We'll talk about that later. But like when you look at that's kind of the last guy that I want to reach on in that QB zone. And then it hits that QB dead zone for me. Like Burrow all the way through probably like Tua from like nine to, you know, 18. If I, unless there's a value there, like you said, with Tannehill and Stafford, I'll just wait and draft Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr. Like I'll just, I'll just wait. Like that, that's how I'm going to roll. I'll wait, get more value with these other positions and then get two guys like that. And I don't want to reach on a guy like Burrow. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you. Who is your third most overrated player? I really like this pick, but there is a little bit of pushback I have. Oh, oh, my boy OBJ. Now I want to, I want to, I want to be fair to OBJ, and I want to know that he was my guy. I thought last year that he was going to be my guy, and I, I kind of, I loved him in Seth Hodson's offense. I thought he was going to take the Diggs role, but it just does not look good. He's got the ACL tear. The Browns are not a very high-volume passing offense. They were 51% in 2020. His targets have gone down. He went from eight to six last year, and that was before the injury. So we saw his targets diminish. You saw Baker. I don't want to say Baker was better last year. The Browns were better. I think that Baker became more comfortable within that offense when he didn't have to find OBJ and make him happy, get the targets they necessarily need. Rashad Higgins is a real thing. I know people don't necessarily believe in that, but I do. I think he is an excellent receiver. Donovan People Jones, shout out to my Michigan team. Like he's a legit, he's a legit receiver too. And I would just also, when you're looking at who he's going around, I mean, would you rather have OBJ or Claypool, who's going at wide receiver 29, or Cortland Sutton at wide receiver 30, or like we're talking about quarterbacks, maybe you that's where you get Russell Wilson or Herbert, because that's yeah. kind of where those guys are at. I'm just not comfortable drafting OBJ as my wide receiver one. And if if he's your wide receiver two, I'm worried. I think he's a wide receiver three prospect that's pretty much where he's going to be at that's that's probably his career from here on out but Claypool could be touchdown dependent at wide receiver one so 
that's kind of my my argument against that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't like Odell Beckham much either. I don't think I'll have many shares of him. But like one of the things I saw, this is a very pro-reception perception podcast. And he just, the reception perception for Odell Beckham came out yesterday. And he finished in the 91st percentile since 2014, beating man coverage, 94th percentile mm-hmm. beating zone in his games last year. Obviously, he's coming off the torn ACL, but I think that's something that people usually come back from in the first year, not as much. Uh, he's not someone I'm going to be drafting, but the fact that he finished that highly, I mean, after kind of showing that, that maybe that um, the hernia injury that he had the year before might be it. But at the end of the day, since 2017, he's finished as a top 25 wide receiver just one time at the end of the day. And I'd rather take someone like you said, like it's Claypool or even a Cortland Sutton that has just a lot more upside than they do at this point in his career. Um, so I'm definitely off Odo Beckham, but not as much as I'm off Amari um, Cooper. Amari um, Cooper, I just don't understand it. I really don't. He's going as the wide receiver 14 right now in ADP. And his points per game finishes in his career. Points per game, 30, 47, 22, 21, 14, and 22. So that's six different finishes. And he's going as the wide receiver 14 right now when that was his best finish ever. And I know people love talking about, okay, well, he was the wide receiver one over those first four weeks. Well, they actually threw the ball 50 times per game during that four game stretch they threw 201 passes i'd much rather take like a julio jones robert woods or even a deontay johnson my boy um over amari cooper i just do not see it do you would you like to push back on this or are you out on amari cooper as well well as a dallas fan i um i am a dallas cowboys fan but i am not an amari cooper fan so i've always kind of been the thing with the Cooper is that you know he's he can be inconsistent at times. There's some games where you know he threw up. I think last year against like Washington, he had a great game. I think he had like seven catches, eight yards, and in Philly, he had one catch, five yards. And I know that they had the quarterback situation. I know with Dak there, our defense is terrible again. So game script wise, you're going to see high volume passing again. But they're going to lean on Zeke a little bit more. So I don't think they're going to be that. And to be honest. Talent-wise, I know this is a hot take, but what the hell? I mean, I think Amari Cooper is wide receiver three on that team, like talent-wise. I think Gallup is that talented. like, okay. and, and I think that CD is going to be wide receiver one on that team. Me too. So that's where the targets are going to go is CeeDee Lamb. Like, CeeDee Lamb to the moon to me. Like, that kid is just phenomenal. So I don't hate it. I, I think inconsistent-wise, where you where kind of read where his points per game finishes were, yeah, that's true. Like, I, I just feel like – he's going to struggle in certain games. He might blow up in a couple. So like best ball. Yeah. But do you really want to do that where you have the inconsistent score? I'm not comfortable taking a wide receiver that high being there. And like you said, Deontay is a guy for me. I'm a big Deontay Johnson guy. And I think that the target wise, I think target PPR formats, I think he'll be there. I I think that's who I'd be looking for. No, me too. Me too. I'm, I'm just off him. And like I said, I love CD lamb. I think he's going to be awesome this year. I think Gallup's also underrated. Is he better than Mari Cooper? I don't know. That is a question for the rest of the people to figure out, but I think they're going to lean on Zeke a little bit more. I think Zeke's value last year is a whole overblown, but that is again, a conversation for another day. I really like Zeke, but before we go back into about the halfway point right now, let's take a quick commercial break. And we are back and we are getting into our fourth overrated player, Kevin, who is your number four overrated player? By the way, I love this pick. So who is yeah. it? Yeah, and, and this isn't a shot of this kid. I just, you know, no. it'll be funny because on my notes that I put down that I did for the show, Travis Etienne at running back 23 to me, 
and I put Urban Meyer down. And it's because I don't trust Urban Meyer. And you, if you've already seen, if you've already seen the train wreck that Urban Meyer has become in this offseason, you know, we've, we've seen kind of, he's already getting fined. He's talking about moving ETN in the slot, but then they have the weapons there with LaVisca. I actually like Marvin Jones a lot. You got Chark. And then you got James Robinson. And I think for me, ETN's just a stay away for me because I think he's going to timeshare. It's going to be probably 60-40 with James Robinson. And they're going to just eat into each other's in, into each other's volume like i realistically i could see a, a scenario where robinson has like 650 yards rushing and etn maybe 600 but then etn will get the targets in the receiving game so he'll have like 50 receptions for like maybe 450 yards and robinson will still have like 300 yards receiving so we're going to just see these guys just they're just going to eat into each other so for me in redraft and best ball unless one of those guys got hurt it's I'm staying away. Like, I don't want either one, to be honest. But if I had to pick, I guess I would just do ETN because the targets. Because you could realistically maybe see 70 targets, probably 75 targets for him. So I understand, like, hey, maybe he'll get those PPR points there. But they're just going to eat each other's work. And then they're going to use LaVisca in ways that are just going to piss off these ETN owners because they're going to do that. Jones the same way. And, 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 you know, little guys like that, especially – and you know they're going to use Tebow some way. Like, I don't know how they're going to do it. But they're going to do use him in the red zone, those type of things. Like – this is really an offense I'm staying away from besides outside Chark. Like, I, I don't like anybody else. Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100% with you. And I think the thing you didn't even mention is Carlos Hyde. I actually didn't know this yeah. until yesterday, but Carlos Hyde actually played for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. And he spoke mm-hmm. about Carlos Hyde, and he's like, you know me and Carlos Hyde's history. Like, I really like him. And he could play, like, the Malcolm Brown role that he, in the Rams last year, maybe 150 carries or something, just, like, chunking up yards that no one in fantasy wants to see. I think it's a legit three-headed backfield. I don't think Carlos Hyde's a good player, but I think he's going to get touches. Urban Meyer spoke highly of James Robinson. Like, he loves that guy at the end of the day. And the Percy Harvin role in his best season only averaged, like, 11 touches a game. So, I mean, unless, unless he is the reincarnation of college-level – I mean, Percy Harvin and modified into the NFL. You get what I'm trying to say? Like, unless he's that prospect, I just don't think he's going to live up to that. So I really don't like him. I think it's going to be a headache of a fantasy offense. I think this will be a very interesting offense. But I will say, for the ETN truthers right now, you're probably going to be feeling pretty good after week one because they play the Houston Texans. They're going to get off to a hot start. So I'd highly suggest adding, like, I mean, Trevor Lawrence in your fantasy leagues because he's someone that's going to blow up and people are going to think he's the next Justin Herbert or something like that. But I'm very off ATN. I'm also off Josh Jacobs as well. Josh Jacobs is a guy that I do not like whatsoever in fantasy this year. They lost three out of their five offensive line starters last year, and they only replaced one of them with Alex Leatherwood. And then you add in Kenyon Drake, and they're like, oh, well, Kenyon Drake's going to be the pass catcher from last year. Well, no, they already have the pass catchers from last year. They still have Jalen Richard. They still have Theo Riddick. And then you add in Kenyon Drake, who was pretty solid on the goal line last year. But the thing I don't like about Jacobs the most is the Jacobs truthers right now are like, Alex, Alex, Alex. He was the RB8 last year. Well, Jacobs had less than 10 points in almost 40% of his games last year. It's not like he was the model of consistency. Of course, he had a couple big games, but this defense is not good. This team is not good. They're going to be behind in a lot of games. And Jacobs statistically, or running backs in general, are just much better in wins than losses. And I don't expect them to win a lot of games. Then you add in Kenyon Drake and you take away offensive linemen. Like there's just, I don't see the upside here. I'd rather take someone like a Miles Gaskin or a Mike, Mike Davis even after them to have more volume or, and more pass catching upside that Jacobs clearly doesn't have. Kevin, we're off to a great start on this podcast. Please do not tell me like Josh Jacobs because this will turn into a dumpster fire very quickly. 
Yeah, we're gonna disagree a little bit on okay. here. Like, I don't. I, I I agree that there are some things that I don't like Gruden's play calling. I, I think that PFF on my podcast we call PFF the, the the site that shall not be named because the shit they put out. But PFF put out like Gruden was one of the top five play callers in the NFL. If you watched any Raiders games last year, like I did because I have Jacobs, that's just nonsense. Like their inability to kind of be creative with him and the the fact they give it to their fullback and they run just stupid things they had Devontae Booker in the goal line like those are all things that you have to be concerned about and then with Drake coming there I've never been a big Drake guy I'll be honest even last year I was saying that that was going to be an over overplay and I was on record of saying that and I think it worked out for me a little bit but I do like Richard there I think they're going to get targets there I just think with Jacobs at running back 21, that's not a, that's probably where he's going to, I don't want to say that's where he's going to finish. I think he finishes somewhere in that running back two range, kind of in the middle. So I don't think you're really like, that's a very, I think he's a safe option at that point. Like unless you went to running backs and this is your third guy, then I wouldn't go there. I'd probably, like yep. you said, maybe go somewhere else. But if he's a running back two, I think he's safe. I, I don't, and with a touchdown upside, like if they actually do give him red zone carries this year and actually have him score touchdowns, let's say he gets 12, 13, then okay, then we're talking about high upside there. But realistically, probably eight and like what, 1,200, it would be yeah. is probably where I have him at if he if he has a good season. So I like him a little bit more than you. I, I'm not totally out on him as a player. I just think his like i said his offensive line oh my god i don't even i could play offensive line for them uh you know gruden's play calling Carr i like as a fantasy option but they don't have the receivers that i like to open things up so there's a lot of things that i get worried about with him but i still think he's a he's okay like he he, he doesn't make you excited like when you draft jacobs you're not smiling you're just kind of yeah. like all right i'll do it yeah for sure i think I, as a running back three or something if you wanted to get a lot of running backs early i don't mind that um, but I just don't like the talent, especially when he, I mean, he had 12 touchdowns last year as much as they didn't use That's him fair. in the red zone. So I think he still yeah. put up, was able to put up solid touchdown numbers. But again, it was so extrapolated because he had, I think he had three touchdowns in two different games or something. So it's it's crazy. But again, we will see. But moving on to our last player, who is your, I, this is, I love this pick. Who is your final <laughs> overrated players? <laughs> yeah, I like to be, I like to be different. Have some fun out here. Now it. for me, like, it's a tight end position. So when I put on the notes, I said any tight end after the top four. So like what I call it is the dead range for me, especially at that position, because there's so much, there, you saw the, uh, the the validity last year. Like you just saw it was so volatile after the top three or actually really after the top two, after Kittle got hurt, it was just a discrepancy of points. And you really arguing over what 10 PPR points uh, per game or excuse me, in the season for the top like 10 guys in between those ranges. So I I'm really staying away from tight end 15 and 14. Like I'm just staying away. So when you look at that, that and that, I'll be interested to see, I want to ask your opinion of Hawk. Cause I think, I think people are, are, are really high on Hawkinson and I am not in that category. So really you go from Hawkinson all the way to like Tanyan. And then after that, I'm okay taking a tight end. Like, I, if, if you don't get one of the top th four guys that I'm a little higher on Pitts than you, I, I think that Ingram is a very solid option with the Giants. I, I, th I still believe in his talent, and I, th I still think he's going to get the targets. I love Gerald Everett for Seattle because I think him and Russell Wilson are going to have a great season this year. And then I don't even mind when you're going down to it either. Johnny Smith. I like him in that offense. I think that he can be one of the leading targets on that team. I've just taken him in a tight end and dynasty as my tight end one in a recent startup I did. Like, he's going to get the volume. I'm not worried about Hunter Henry because Johnny's the athlete, and McDaniels is one of the best offensive coordinators in football. They're going to 
do things for him to get him the ball in space, to do things that maybe the Titans didn't. And then Mo Ali Cox is a late, late round guy. Like if they don't get Ertz, Mo Ali could be a guy that, hey, might as well just draft two of these guys rather than yeah. reaching on one of those mid-tier tight ends because you're going to miss out on a lot of running back and wide receiver talent. Yeah, I think the only tight end that I really like going in that 5 to 14 range, depending what format you like it, is someone like Adam Troutman I think is interesting in those late, late rounds. Um, no offense, a guy I love. I just don't know if he can get the target upside, unfortunately. But I agree. Um, as for Hawkinson, like you mentioned, I actually don't. I think people are overrating Hawkinson. I think Hawkinson is going too high in drafts right now. I think people yeah. are a little overzealous on him. I mean, I get it. 294 vacated targets, all those that can go to him. I mean, I like the player. I just don't like Jared Goff that much. I don't like this offense. I don't think there's a lot of touchdown upside. But I would probably take him over Kyle Pitts right now just because of the volume. But, that, that, again, I would take him at tight end four. That's where I would rank him. That's not where I would take yeah. them in drafts. I'm not taking Hawkinson or picks that are going as top 50 picks where yeah. like right around the 50 range you can get guys like even like a Robert Woods or like a tight or like a wide receiver that's going around that range or a DJ Moore or someone Deontay Johnson is going right around the same range that you're taking Hawkinson or Pitts. That's the reason yeah. that I don't like those guys. It's not that I don't like them at their tight end ranking. It's just I don't like them where they're going at drafts. And for Kyle Pitts, unless he has the greatest tight end season of all time as a rookie, which he could because I think he's probably the best prospect almost in my lifetime. But I just don't like unless he does that this year, and I don't like this offense for the Falcons either. Um, that's why he is my last overrated player, if I didn't already say that already. So I'm a little bit off him for that reason. But I agree the tight ends are a headache this year if you can't get a top three tight end. Um, I think Darren Waller is being a little undervalued right now. But overall, Kyle Pitts, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, all those guys are going just a little too high for me in drafts. So I'd rather try to get a top three. Or I'd rather take two flyers and other guys like Gerald Everett and Adam Troutman, guys that have a chance to be good, or Johnny Smith. Any of those guys, I'd rather take two dart throws than take any tight end probably from four to 13 for where they're going right now in drafts. You know, I agree. Man, Adam Troutman's ADP has shot up. And yeah. I loved him at the beginning of the, of the best ball and redraft kind of areas because he was going kind of like tight in 18, 19. Mm -hmm. And now you see it because of that position and the scarcity. And now people are reaching. So now I even think like Troutman, like that's pretty much borderline where I will, well, maybe I'll take a shot depending yeah. on how the draft goes. But yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think Pitts. With Julio getting moved, I, I, I think he's over getting overvalued. Like, I, I can see Pitts getting 800 yards and eight touchdowns, and that's really good. Like, yeah. really good. But that's not where he's getting drafted. Yeah. Like, his, I, he just went at the 112 in a best ball draft I saw. So, uh, he, so he went 112. And, again, when you, when you do those type of things, you're just limiting your, your upside for your team. Like, you're going to have to hope Pitts finishes as tight end one if you're going to take him into 112. Like, that's just how you lose money. I don't like to lose money, so that's I'm just not going to do it. And realistically, if you have, but I would try to get those top three guys. Like if you yeah. can get those guys on your team, they're the cheat code. Like and 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 if they've been really going what the end of the second, start of the third, like Waller, Kittle, those type of guys. Kelsey's been going in the first, but if you can get one of those guys and flip it around, like let's say you got were able to get CMC and Waller. That's a pretty good uh, haul for your best ball teams and stuff. So that's where I would look. But, yeah, I'm, I'm out on the tight end, like, five to whatever. And you're right. Jared Goff is trash. Like, I've always been a huge <laughs> no Jared Goff guy. Like, I, I'm, I've marked me down. I've never been a Jared Goff guy. And even after last year, I don't trust him. Yeah. And I like my tight ends to be athletic and show that profile. And Hawkinson's not very athletic. He gets caught from behind a lot. He doesn't have that breakaway ability. But like you, I love fans. 
but damn it, I don't love the quarterbacks. Nope. So the problem is, is like I love him, but it's just hard to justify his ADP. Yeah, or even a fan, real quick, if I can add him, and I just put this out on Twitter the other day or yesterday, actually. Um, the fact that like over the last five years for top tight ends, um, for top five tight ends, sorry, each tight end has finished as a top two player in targets on their team. But I know like Drew Ozenchuk, who I'm the biggest fan of in the world, said that okay, well, how many targets do those tight end get? So I think that's relative. But the fact that Noah Fant might be the third option in that offense with either Teddy Bridgewater um, or Drew Locke. It's unfortunate because like if if, yeah. if Noah Fant was on the Lions right now, I mean I would I would be all in on that right now. But again, that is a story for another day. But before we get out of here, I have one final question for you. My favorite question on the podcast: Your 2021 flag plant, the player that you are more in on than absolutely anyone else. Who is it? Yes, yeah, DeAndre Swift. There. Uh, so I know you said you're not very high on Swift, and so I'm 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 playing my flag on him. I think he's gonna be running back one. Uh, I think that he's gonna. I think that he's gonna see the targets, and I love his ability to receiving game. He's probably gonna get. I know that people have talked about like we got to be careful with the target situation. I know I just said I hated Goff, but Goff doesn't necessarily hurt Swift. Like I think they're gonna lean on Swift more. I think that he can get the seventy to eighty targets that we'd like to see in the receiving game, and I think he's he's a great runner. Like if they give him the volume, and I think everything that we see from Dan Campbell in that offense, I'm not really that worried about their offensive coaching staff. I don't really listen to coach talk. So if you've ever listened to any podcast, you know I hate coach talk. Like it drives me crazy because they're all full of shit. They don't tell you the truth, guys. Like they just talk right now just like all these fantasy people on twitter everybody's just talking like they don't really know what's going on so i'm big on swift i think he can finish his running back one and i have a bet with somebody that he's gonna finish ahead of jonathan taylor oh i i would actually take the bet with you i don't like jonathan taylor at all i put that on tiktok i don't like him i don't think he's gonna be that great um but again another story for another day but swift the one thing i don't like about swift that jared goff i think does hurt him is over the last couple years or at least last two or three years Goff, out of all qualified quarterbacks, has targeted the tight ends. Sorry, has targeted running backs at the second least rate in the entire NFL behind. I mean, only ahead of Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and the thing is, like, I think that that's the thing that scares me. Where Matthew Stafford, I think, would have been great because he's targeted running backs at least a hundred times each of the last seven or eight seasons now. And I know people people make the argument, okay, well, Jared Goff's playing like in this offense now, so he's going to throw to Swift now, or like, but like again. Like maybe he will, and I think that he will give Swift more targets. But I know, like, it's not like Matthew Stafford was playing with like super bad receivers and Marvin Jones, who I like, and Kenny Galladay, T.J. Hawkinson. He had good weapons and still threw to running backs. Um, but again, I like Swift because again, targets just mean so much in this in yeah. fantasy. And the fact that they don't really have anyone outside of Hawkinson, like Tyrell Williams, Quintez Cephas, Amon Ross, St. Brown. I mean, are you kidding me? So I think Swift definitely has the target upside. But the thing is, I think it's interesting to hear people's flag plants is. That is the second flag plant in this podcast on DeAndre Swift out of 24 episodes now. So he is, pro- I think he's the second most flag planted player um, <laughs> tied with Cam Akers and right behind Joe Mixon. So you're a pretty smart Ugh. guy. Josh Larkey, if you're familiar with him, also flag planted yes. DeAndre Swift. So, I mean, you guys are two pretty smart guys. So maybe I have to buy on him a little bit more above where he's going at least. But I love him, him and Antonio Gibson right in that range. I think they're both very interesting for next year. Um, but that is it. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Is there anything that you're working on or that you want to plug for the listeners? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you can check me out at Twitter, at the boys underscore 22. It's an homage to my grandfather who loved the Cowboys, so I, I have to keep my at name there. But other than that, you know, you can find me at the Debbie Royale. It's at 930 Eastern. We're talking all college football, betting, all that stuff. And you can find me at 730 Eastern on that same night, Tuesdays. And for the Super Fantasy Bros, it's a Mario theme podcast from Super Smash Brothers. Uh, me and Jacob have that. Jacob Dunn from Fantasy Pros. And we just talk about anything redraft dynasty for fun and if you ever have any questions or you ever want me on a podcast or anything my dms are always open um, I'm, I'm as open as can be for anybody out there i just appreciate anybody listening to me at all yeah no you're you're a fantastic guest i actually listened to a i forget which one it was but a podcast that you were on recently and i was like wow like this guy is phenomenal i would love to get him <laughs> on a podcast so i'm very thankful for you to coming on and i'm very thankful to anyone that listened today so Thank you so much for listening. Please leave any feedback if you have it, good, bad, or indifferent. We're trying to make this podcast the best that it can possibly be. And the only way you can do that is for feedback, good and bad. So my DMs are always open. You can find me at fresh underscore fantasy underscore on Twitter. And the last thing I want to shout out real quick is the fact that officially Fresh Fantasy merch has launched on viridianglobal.com. Now you can get your Fresh Fantasy t-shirts. I know you all have been waiting so desperately. Um, I can't wait to get them to be able to rep the brand, especially with the Fantasy Football Expo coming up. So um, for anyone listening, thank you so much for listening, and um, I hope you all have a great rest of your day.